Hi, welcome to another edition of Hashtag Finance. I'm your host, Barrington Miller, and today I'm here with Russ Patterson, CEO of Spaceify. Welcome to the show, Russ. Thank you, Barrington. It's great to be here. Uh, so, Russ, we started talking and then we got cut off. Um, where are you from? Where Where did you grow up? I was born in Winnipeg, but I've, uh, I was raised here in the Toronto area. Um, I was in Scarborough uh, until I was about 11 and then came out to the West End and I uh, grew up in uh, Mississauga. So I've been around the GTA. Don't really remember Winnipeg. I was a baby when I moved out, but my older siblings tell me that might not be such a bad thing. Great city, but very, very cold, apparently. Um, what's your path to Spaceify? How did you, how did you get here? You know, I, I feel like if I'd planned it, uh, I did all the right things, but I didn't plan it. Um, I started out, um, uh, I, was a, um, I went to film school at Ryerson for four years. I was hoping to be a filmmaker, actually. And it's funny, uh, after all these years, I'm kind of getting back into something that's related to the creative industry. Um, but I never did work in the film industry. After I graduated, um, I started working for a, a, a fintech company. And 1994, I was able to get the keys to the car for their internet projects, their mm-hmm. uh, consu- uh, business to consumer and business to business stuff that they were starting to kick off. Um, I think uh, I like to think that probably the executives didn't realize how important strategically that was, or they probably wouldn't have given it to an unqualified kid <laughs> like I was at the time. But they were dumb enough to do it, and so I was smart enough to work my ass off to try to make sure that I would learn as much as I could before anybody found out that I wasn't really qualified to have that job. So that was 94. <laughs> and now 25 years later, um, I've already built up a lot of expertise. I've been doing internet product project management and product management, I should say, all of these years. Um, focused primarily on e-commerce and marketplaces. I spent 15 years at eBay in the middle there. I've uh, learned a ton there. Uh, it was just a real seminal period for me in my career, finishing up as the COO and Director of Product Management for eBay Canada. Also co-managed the business for eight years. Oh, wow. um, so learned a lot there about how to run a two-sided marketplace uh, that I hope will be really applicable here. Um, and in between and around that, I worked for a lot of uh, startups and so, uh, and uh, most of them failed, which is a great yep. uh, experience, actually, in a weird way. So I've, I've learned a lot that's about That's how you learn about winning. Absolutely. So, so I feel like uh, having a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a background in the creative arts is helping. But um, the main thing is having you know uh, twenty plus years of working in the, in this industry and really specifically around this stuff. I felt like it was a really good fit for me to come in and uh, take some of the playbook that I saw at eBay and some of the other places that I worked and try to put it into play here for this little marketplace that we're trying to get off the ground. Well, we should uh, we should backtrack a little bit um, just for the people that may not know what Spaceify does. Uh, would you care to explain? I would care to explain. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Spaceify is a is a cool little business. The idea is it's uh, in a nutshell, it's like Airbnb for creative spaces. Uh, what happens is um, space owners can list their properties on the site for free. Um, they just put up a few photos and a few descriptions and a space owner could be somebody putting up their own condo or their own home. It could be a small home. It could be a mansion. We need everything, all sizes uh, Uh for different kinds of productions and film shoots and different things. Um, It could be businesses. It could be uh, of every type. We have retail, we have office space, we have warehouse space. I could put Uh, this podcast studio. You absolutely should. And I think (laughs) we will as soon as this is over. Absolutely. Um, But uh, uh, so they they list for free. And then the idea is that we uh, drive 
uh, creatives to our platform to um, to rent those spaces by the hour, by the day, to help them with their projects. So that could be filmmakers, photographers, uh, the fashion industry, the fitness industry. We're seeing all kinds of applications, but particularly with the uh, the film and content creation um, creatives, they really need a a huge selection of spaces to shoot in. You know, if you think about you know uh, TV and movies and different things that you've seen, there's you. you need uh every kind of space could be a space that's needed for a film and so uh that's why we've got fast food franchises and just all uh we've got vehicles we've got all kinds of crazy things on our site and the idea is that it inspires um hopefully the creatives and um helps them to move ahead with their projects so if they see something that they like on our site uh they can go ahead and negotiate um and inquire um, with the space owner right through our site and pay for it right on the site. We take seven and a half percent of the transaction mm-hmm. um, from the buyer and another seven and a half percent of the transaction um, from the, or the renter, I should say, and another seven and a half from the space owner for a total take of 15% on the transactions we bring to the platform. Now you were saying that you drive creatives and creative types to your site. How do you, how do you do that? Do you, uh, <laughs> Hang out at the coffee shops, or um, do you have a subscription to the uh, Film Actors Guild? Like, what? How do you how do you get people to? Yeah, all of those <laughs> things. I think, and then more things. That's a, that's a really that's the the fun challenge right now that we're yeah. taking on. I mean, um, our um, our product, uh, we're our platform, we're investing in, and we're uh, going to be releasing a new one later this year. And I think we've got a really good. Um, method down and we've got our sort of acquisition numbers pretty stable for knowing what it costs to get a a property on the site and how to get to the really good hidden properties that make our site special under the curated selection but getting the creatives is actually more of an open question the methods sort of know broadly this isn't rocket science you if you know customers that you want to target in 2019 the logical place to go is uh facebook and uh, (laughs) linkedin and uh, instagram and we're doing all of those things and we're, we're targeting people there but i think uh to have a an even bigger impact it's important to go beyond that and do work on the ground um integrate partnerships uh, sponsorships. So we're trying to um, become part of the conversation wherever creatives are hanging out and uh, doing their thing in a small way. So uh, one of the things we're working on right now, where we're getting some um, small scholarship programs off the ground with the local uh, Toronto area film schools. Oh, yeah. And we, we have an angle where we want to um, uh, recognize students that have uh, had the you brought a really creative or excellent approach for how they've used the location in a film, how they might've oh, transformed really cool. it or used it in a creative way. Um, it's not a lot of dollars there, but, uh, you know, I was a film student once, uh, you, even a, a small thing is a very, very helpful <laughs> thing at that point. So, um, you know, we're reaching out to the universities and they're, they're, of course, very receptive and that's going well, but also at the other end of the in- industry, um, we're getting involved now with the, uh, the formal um, location manager uh, guild awards that happen in Los Angeles. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're getting involved with that for later this year. Um, we're talking with Telefilm and Ontario Creates, and um, but also to um, some of the agencies that and alternative kinds of content creators that we want to kind of reach. But you think about um, how content is produced, who produces it, and where it gets distributed. 
in 2019, the answer is very different from the answer we might have given even two years ago, mm -hmm. let alone five or ten. And things are becoming fragmented. Um, and there are still the big shoots that happen and the big productions that happen. And we love when something like that comes through our platform because obviously that's a that's a that's a big ticket. That's a big revenue item line item for us. But I think the future for us uh, and our if we're going to reach our full potential will be in finding ways to get in front of and partner with and um, win the favor of these new emerging kinds of content creators and artists. Um whether that's the new kinds of digital studios that are popping up, people that are uh, becoming influencers, that are becoming biz big businesses on their own right on YouTube, or even, um, you know, some of the branded content, which is becoming a bigger and bigger industry. Um, just earlier today, we were at an event uh, where we met someone who uh, is in the cannabis industry and works for a company that's spending uh, serious money on developing content around their business. And it just goes to show that, you know, filmmakers and content creators are not necessarily uh, just Steven Spielberg and what, you know, and Adam McGoyan and Bruce McDonald and things that you would have thought, you know, maybe a few years ago. You know what, you started, uh, you you opened the door for something that I was going to ask about and because cannabis has been such a large theme at the Canadian Securities Exchange the last couple of years, where, where would Spaceify fall into that? Like, say, I'm a company and I want to do a shoot um, using certain products, having certain products. Does that make you sort of um, an ancillary company to the industry? Does that, um, would you worry about travel? All of those things. At this stage, you know, being a startup and an early uh, stage company, I think. Uh, I'm interested in everybody's money who would like to give us money, if I'm really honest. Uh, I think, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, the cannabis industry, blockchain, all these different emerging uh, uh, companies that are exciting in 2019, to the extent that they're producing content, putting on events, mm -hmm. uh, doing things where we can help them and get involved, I'm very happy to do that, I think. Um, you mentioned earlier some of your competition. Mm -hmm. So I guess my... The first two that come to mind are like WeWorks and Airbnb, sort of. Mm -hmm. um, is there anybody that I'm missing? And what's your differentiator for those that might claim to to be in the same sphere as Spaceify? Well, those are amazing businesses, both of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, we hope to uh, achieve some measure of the, the kind of success that they're they're reaching now. They're kind of the the unicorns in the space, but they're showing how the sharing economy works. Um, and how it can work, and how it can uh, work for investors. I, I, so I wouldn't say that they're exactly the direct competition for us, uh, because they are more focused on long-range rentals. We are on very short range. So what, it's uh, uh, like oh, by the hour or by the hour or by the day. I think our longest booking has just been just a few days. Uh, so typically, it's you know film shoots, photography shoots, post-production work. Um, we had a, a self-hypnosis class was booked on the platform once. Uh, so there's all kinds of things um, that, that might is that, happen. Is, is that the craziest one you've seen? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that's, that's one of my favorites for, for weirdness. But uh, I'm hoping that we'll, we'll, we'll find a lot more uh, oddball things that we get involved in. The, the cool thing about that is I'm hoping to create a flywheel because, you know, most businesses um, – struggle to use first party social effectively as a weapon mm -hmm. um, or storytelling, which is the real currency for uh, keeping people's attention effectively because they're not that interesting. I mean, honestly, the average person or there are interesting, but you need to uh, 
understand so much before you can appreciate why they're interesting. Uh, maybe they're esoteric technology or something, mm-hmm. and they're trying to get their story out there, but it's a, it's not that sexy. Um, <laughs> our, the things that are happening in our spaces that we're helping to make happen are really interesting, and they should make tremendous content that we can turn around and repurpose and um, use as putting our first, our best foot forward to try to uh, attract more eyeballs and more likes and more views and more uh, brand value. Um, so, for example, um, we have had uh, uh, living room shows where, you know, artists used to just record and then stay home and count the money, but they have, they have to get out and perform now. And, um, you know, if you're... Uh, if you're a big act like Elton John and you're traveling to Toronto, well, you know where you're going to be performing at the big arena or whatever. But there is every scale of artists, and uh, including some big name artists that are doing living room shows and smaller scale shows, which is an amazing trend that we're oh, really excited awesome. to get involved in. So imagine you go to your friend's house and your favorite artist greets you at the door when you come in and you're all just <coughs> sitting around. And it's fun for the artist. They can make a little money this way, too. Maybe it's a warm up before a bigger show or maybe it's the whole show that they're doing. Right. But um getting really good feedback from them that they uh, they like being uh, in a smaller scale where they can be intimate with their fans and people that really, really care about what they're doing. That's just in the music front. Uh, you know, film and, and TV, we're all fascinated by that in popular culture. How mm-hmm. cool it would be to, you know, look on um, social media and see how a space that maybe you're familiar with in your own hometown was transformed to be a period piece or a futuristic uh, uh, place that you might not have recognized before the... Well, we, you know, we, we do that with local... Um, <clears throat> when we're watching TV and, there's, you know, there's a local shoot going on, and uh, especially downtown Toronto in the financial district, it's like, oh, I walk by that coffee shop all the time, and it's cool. It's blurred out. It's a little bit in the background, but you know it's just neat. It's a, it's a nice way of connecting um, where you go every day with what now you're seeing uh, in an art medium. So that's, uh, yeah, no, that's cool. Um, International. So right now, are you just Canada, Canada, U.S.? Any plans for bigger expansions? Uh, Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, So we're, uh, (laughs) you know, the business was founded in Toronto, and so we're growing out from there. Uh, That's where our headquarters is. That's where our strength is, is where most of our spaces are located, and it's where we're focusing most of our marketing efforts right now because we want to prove out all of our methods, understand our math, and do all those things, and then we can copy and and paste and expand. Uh, I've talked to folks that have been involved with, um, you know, Uber Eats and the Uber and some of the other um, very complicated two- and three-sided marketplaces that have opened up and expanded. And I've been uh, trying to learn um, as much as I can from how they grew. Uh, right. you know, Breather is another one. They've got a sort of related business that they, they run. They started out of Montreal. And um, it's I think in all the cases where these companies are successful, they start in one place and they put a lot of focus on learning how to win there, not worrying so much about how scalable or repeatable that right. exercise might be initially um, because you just need to lean in and learn and get some success. And then hopefully uh, expect that as we spread out and start doing more marketing in more and more of our cities that we'll see uh, the returns will uh, it becomes less expensive to reach more people as you as you spread out. Right. Um, you know, the extreme example would be for Uber. Um, you've been to Vancouver lately. Last time <laughs> I was there. There's still an Uber there. I can right. go at the airport. I got, I got to take a conventional taxi. It seemed like uh, the dark ages all of a sudden. I would, 
I would suggest that when Uber is able to operate in Vancouver, uh, they'll have to spend about a dollar on marketing to say we're now available. That's it. Right. Uh, <laughs> demand is built in. I mean, I, you know, we we obviously it won't be a, as much of a consumer brand as Uber is. Uh, we're not touching people's everyday lives quite that much, but it's a, the example I think is apt. So we've got. Uh, uh, we're in a lot of cities already. We have uh, the most spaces are in Toronto. We also uh, second most is in New York City. And okay. so we're leaning in a little bit with marketing there as well, because I think it's very important to understand as we think about the math and how we're going to cover the map, what the difference is in our cost of acquisition between uh, a Canadian city and a place like New York Um uh, both world-class cities, but of course, they're also very different as well. And the art scenes of both of them are very different. Uh, the eyeballs are going to be more expensive, I would expect, in New York than they would be in Toronto a little bit. And we won't have quite as much home field advantage. So that's sort of right. where we're focusing right now. But our, our space scouting, we're working well out in front of that. So um, there's teams that are building out our inventory using the methods that we hone in Toronto in, you know, Vancouver and uh, Los Angeles and... Um, um, smaller, smaller cities uh, as well all over the U.S. Oh, there's, have, there's a need for it everywhere. There is, and there's, um, you know, I worked for a business for many years that was uh, pretty good at um, internationalizing and uh, cloning and expanding around <laughs> the globe. So I took good note of that. I worked very closely with that stuff. In fact, uh, back when I was with eBay, I, I was the guy who launched the French Canadian site in Canada. Is one, oh, one wow. of the little things that I did. So I, I got pretty familiar with how you localize a site, how you deal with international users and cross-border experiences and all those things that um, um, can can uh, be a little bit complicated. But to me, I don't think they're really all that complicated. I think we've got a pretty good handle on how we're going to do it. So um, we have a few spaces in Europe right now. We have a few spaces in Latin America. We didn't go digging for those. They just kind of happen. Right. So that's interesting. Um, so we're going to obviously want to grow in those places. And um, even in Canada, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to uh, launch in French language very soon. I think we'll come with German pretty soon after that as well. Uh, some of our German investors are telling us that, you know, how soon can you get into this market? Because there's really a need for something like this here. So um, we hope that uh, and expect that we'll be expanding very rapidly in other territories, but um, we want to make sure that we don't bite off more than we can chew and that we understand our numbers and uh, and how we win in our key cities before we uh, start to, to really actively uh, spread out the marketing dollars. But on the product side, we're already investing in it. We're doing the things that I know we need to do to be ready for, you know, multi-currency and multilingual and uh, to have machine translation of user-generated content and, um, thoughtful translations of uh, specified generated content and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Now, here's the, I guess, the uh, the real question. What is your favorite creative space? My favorite creative space? That's a tough one. Um, there's there's so many on the site in Toronto, and um, um, but there's one in particular, uh, a small studio that has been booked more than any of the others. Oh, right. And I think that, that's going to be my favorite for economic reasons, perhaps. Um <laughs> It'd be exciting to get uh, um, some more iconic properties, I think, uh, just maybe for a show on there. I mean, it'd be fun to have the Rogers Center and the CN Tower and all those things. I don't think anybody needs <laughs> space of eye to find where those properties are, but uh, right. that'd be kind of fun. Um, there are some really neat spaces, though, that the, the team has found. Um, 
things that you wouldn't know exist. Uh, I've lived in Toronto all my life, and just in the past few months working with these guys, I've uh, we've been to places where um, there's a secret business that's hidden behind the main business. Um, so like restaurants where you come in uh, the front and come through a secret door and suddenly there's yeah. a whole huge club in the back like a speakeasy. That is really cool and neat and a, a huge reveal for me because I naively didn't even know there was stuff like that right under my feet. Some places I was walking past every day had no idea how special the spaces were that were inside a kind of ordinary looking building. Well, thank you very much, Russ, for uh, for the insight. This has been another episode of Hashtag Finance. I'm your host, Barrington Miller. I'm here with Russ Patterson, CEO of Spaceify, finding diamonds in the rough. Thank you very much. Thank you, Barrington. Hi, it's Grace from the CFC reminding you to make sure to follow us on social media for the latest updates on our listed companies as well as new listing alerts. For more in-depth content, be sure to pick up our free quarterly magazine, Public Entrepreneur, available online at thecsc.com. Thank you.